This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Welcome to Cottage Talk. I am Russ Goldman, and this is our post-match show of Fulham's 1-1 draw with Wolves on Boxing Day. Co-hosting with me today is Janusz Inez, and making his debut is Alec Coben. We have a lot to talk about in this show, but before I do anything else, let me first welcome back Janusz to the show. Mr. Janaeus, how are you doing? We're Sean Kovner. <laughs> I'm, um, I'm, I'm well. I'm well. I'd... 24 hours to digest yesterday's game, and yep. uh, I'm looking forward to Huddersfield on Saturday. It's a massive six-pointer, obviously, but uh, if we can play and create the chances we did yesterday, I don't see any reason why we can't stop them. Totally agree, Giannis. It's, it's funny because we'll talk about this during the show. I've actually really appreciated the fact that we wait a day now. I, I do the full-time show, and that's just an initial reaction, but this really gives you a chance to digest what you watched, and if you want to watch a replay of it, which I did, you pick up things. So that's what's so good about the fact that we now do this post-match show a day later. So look forward to doing that with you. But before we go any further, I have to welcome Alec to the show, making his debut. Alec, how are you doing? Thank you for joining us today. Thank you very much, Russ. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm doing great today. Uh, I went to the game yesterday. I've had a bit of time to think about it, a bit of time to process every process how we played. And a little bit of time to also compare it to how we played last week against Newcastle and how we performed under Slavista during the season. I definitely think uh, I've seen some improvements. Uh, uh, I, I definitely think I've seen some improvements, at, especially at the back. We seem a lot more solid, so that is uh, that is very encouraging for the rest of the season. But I do think we have a lot more to offer in attack for, uh, going into 2019. Okay, excellent. Alakim, let me start with you. Before I get your thoughts specifically on this match yesterday, I was talking to you about this off air. Which match do you take more out of positively? You were at both matches, the Newcastle United match for Fulham or this one against Wolves? Well, I would say our level of performance, I mean, we got the same outcome in both matches. uh, And I would say our level of performance was 
probably on par both games. Though I think the the Wolves one was more encouraging to me. I felt Newcastle, all in all, were quite a, a, a mediocre team. And I think Wolves have shown that they're a very dangerous team. They, uh, they play a very European style of football. Um, and I think they've done very well with this season with that style of play. And so I think we did really well in, uh, in shutting them down, especially in the first half, in shutting down their main danger men, so, such as Adama, who actually ended up coming off early yes. in the second half for Wolves. So I thought we did a really good job in defense. I still think, though, in both, in both matches, we rely too heavily on, uh, we rely a little bit too heavily on, Mitro, on, Mitro, on Mitrovic to, to kind of clean up all the loose balls. And he, he does always seem a little bit isolated up, isolated up the field. Okay, excellent there, my friend. And let me go right back to you. Let me just get your opening thoughts on what you watched yesterday for Fulham against Wolves. So specifically on the game, on specifically on the game yesterday, um, as I said, I, I thought our defense was encouraging. Dennis, Dennis, Denny O'Dwyer was uh, all over Adama in the first half and really didn't give him much. Really didn't give him much room to breathe. And he is the main danger man, I think, for Wolves. And Adama did stay quite central, so that made it quite easy for us to defend. Um, when they made substitutions, though, in the second half, um, when they made such substitutions in the second half, their forward, the forwards for Wolves split apart a little bit and did kind right. of drag, especially Edouard, out of, out of position a little bit and did give them a little bit more space to run. And that is ultimately what kind of led to... Wolves's Wolves's equaliser late on. Uh, the, the middle was very open in the box when the ball came in. Um, but overall, I thought we did pretty well in defence. Uh, in attack, I thought we were actually we weren't that great. I felt we were often too narrow and too weak. And we, as I said before, in my initial thoughts, I think we relied too heavily on Mitrovic. Yep. I thought when Sessignon came on, I thought he gave us a little bit of flair down the wing and a little bit of width to kind of. Uh, Get some get some good ball in for for Mitrovic to to get into the box and to to get get a couple of goals maybe but to no avail eventually. But I thought initially our attack was too narrow. Schurler for me is not strong enough, and I really I actually don't really like him on the I really don't like him on the field. I really think we need to get someone with a little bit more strength and someone who tracks back a little bit more. Um, I'm also not, I feel, whilst I think we're solid in defense with the five at the back, I do feel without the wingbacks getting up, we are very limited in attack. Um, so I think going, going into later games, I think we've got, to, we've got to get some more goals on the score sheet. I think we've got to work out a way that we can, set, we can send up those wingbacks, send those wingbacks flying up so we can actually get some support to, to, the, to the front three that we have up there. Great analysis there, my friend. It's funny because um, the fear of Emilio Donnell, one of my co-hosts, is that we don't have enough goals in us, even though we have Mitrovic, for some of the reasons you just said, that uh, it's really all about him right now. And uh, there's got to be ways to get more players involved. And uh, I think he did a very good job of analyzing, um, going forward, the issues that Fulham are having. But before I go back over to Giannis just to get his opening thoughts, one quick question because you brought up something that was interesting that we talked about on full-time. The guys on full-time said that the turning point in the match was Sessegnon coming on, that substitute. Would you agree with that? Yes and no. I felt his initial impact was good. The team, especially in the midfield, was starting to look tired. And Sessegnon, whenever he's on the pitch, 
just inserts that level, it just inserts that energy and vibrancy into the team. Uh, and it just, we start to move the ball quicker and, and we have a little bit more going down, the, going wide. I did find, however, though, he wasn't really getting that much. He stopped getting that much joy out wide because he, he started coming in a lot more. Yep. I think, you know, because actually I'm not really, I, I couldn't really work out why he started to come in. But when he stayed wide, he was much more effective. But for the, after, after the goal, I think we were on the back foot. We were trying to defend and just kind of park the bus a little bit. And oh, he God. just came in narrow. And you could say it was a turning point in the sense that I think it, I think it did give us a little bit of uh, it did give us a little bit of flair down the left-hand side, but at the same time, I felt Sessignon really didn't kind of trust enough in it, trust enough in himself um, to stay out wide to get the ball, and he could have maybe, you know, he could have just he could have just stretched the Wolves a little bit more than I felt he could have uh, than I felt he actually did. Um, what I felt the real turning point in the in the game was was when Wolves. Uh, brought off Adama. I can't, I can't remember who they yeah. sent. Who did they send on? They sent on Vin, uh, was it Vinegra? They sent Ruben Vinegra. They sent on or Cavalera. No. I can't remember. But they, I believe it was Cavalera at that point. It was Cav- Cavalera. Yeah, Cavalera. Yeah, because he stayed. He stayed out. He stayed out wider, and he started to stretch. He started to stretch us. Our goal was a result of a pretty scrappy free kick. You know, it was pretty much against the run of play. So, uh, so I don't really think it was anything to do with our side that was a turning point of the match. I actually think it was. When Adama came off and Cavalero came on and started pulling Edouard out wide and started really stretching our defense, and it started, and so at that point we started to see both teams getting forward a lot more. Oh, very interesting. Thank you so much for sharing that, Alec. All right, Giannis, over to you, boy. Alec had a lot to share there, so I want your opening thoughts on the match and also this conversation we're having about the turning point. He brought up actually the substitution at halftime and how that changed how. Wolves played and maybe how both teams played. So uh, that's where he's going on it. Like I mentioned, the guys on full-time talked about Sessignon coming on, that substitution being the turning point. So a lot for you to talk about here, my friend. Over to you. Well, Claudio would have been very pleased with the draw up at St. James's Park on Saturday. It wasn't aesthetically pleasing, but you know we had a chance to win it late and defensively our shape was very good. And let's you know, not forget Newcastle didn't have a shot on target. I think looking back at yesterday's game, you'll be very disappointed with the goal we conceded because first half we played pretty well. You had to make, you know, a couple of the big decisions, not starting Kearney was yep. a big one, but, but but clearly he didn't think uh, he'd fit in the lineup for this particular game. And uh, quite, you could put question level question marks against Kearney's attitude when he came on as well, but that's another matter. Um, I thought that... Um, Sess made a huge difference when he came on, but conversely, I think there might be question marks in terms of when Seri was taken off. There seems to be a coil. I, I would I'm not sure I'd have made that decision to bring McDonald on. Um, Seri was doing okay at the time, and and it was what three four minutes later when they, they equalised. We had a lot of chances first half. Mitro did everything bar score, which is great because if you're creating chances and you're not scoring can't really complain as long as you're creating chances. The Wolves are a dangerous side, and I think they're far superior to Huddersfield. And when Huddersfield caught us last time up at Leeds Road, we sort of um, we capitulated a little bit. I think we're in much better shape defensively. Um, you can see we're playing with more confidence. And um, I, I'd be absolutely stunned if we don't win Saturday. It's a massive game, obviously. 
and we'll be disappointed with the result yesterday. But there are not enough positives to say that when January 1 comes around and the transfer window opens again, addition of a couple of players where I think we should be in decent shape. Okay, excellent there. And definitely want your thoughts on both halves when we get to it. You know, I definitely want to talk about what Alec mentioned uh, when we talk about the second half in just a bit, because I, I think that's an interesting point to talk about the substitution that uh, Wolves made, because uh, it's very interesting how all of a sudden with that substitution, they, they changed things around a little bit and they were much more dangerous in the second half. So we could talk about that in a little bit, but my friend Giannis, let me go right back to you. Just give me your overall thoughts on the starting 11 and the 18 overall now or before the match. Well, the, the you know the big the big news of course was was going to be Kearney. Yep. Um, and um, a little bit of surprise, but uh, th- that that's okay. I thought Cameron made a big difference, and I thought um, up at St James's Park, and he deserved the chance. I think like you, like most of us, are still wondering what the love affair is with Sherla. Um, Sherla's. Uh, I don't a, get it. I don't get it. Yeah, no, really I don't know. He's, he's a good player, and I you see. The reason I think he did well in Chelsea, at Chelsea, is because he's a good gravy player. But you need meat and potatoes, and and this guy won't track back. He doesn't fit in the way that what we need right now, I guess. No, he and doesn't. I think that's where you're going. Yeah, and I, I that's why my 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 bigger I, I think my bigger surprise was that Vieto didn't get a didn't get a start um, over uh, Sherla, and, and maybe we'll see him on Saturday. I hope so because Vieto will be as hungry as a lion for sure. Um, but no problems with the back four. Mawson had a good game Saturday, and it looks like, you know, defensively we've settled down now. So, you know, they're getting comfortable with the, the formation. They're getting comfortable playing with each other. Le Marchand didn't get to start or play uh, yesterday, but at least he's now available. So, overall, um, there's some stability there. And if you look at the other teams around us, Burnley are on a really miserable run right now. Huddersfield are doing are not doing a lot better, so there's a chance for us to pick up points and you know get out on the bottom three. And uh, Claudio, he's shown some faith in in providing stability. As so the only big decision was was Kearney. Yep. But um, you know what? Um, on the basis of what Kearney did when he came off the, off, you know, came off the bench yesterday, I can't really blame him to be honest. He didn't. Look, I don't think he looked overtly interested half the time which was very disappointing seeing as he's supposed to be our captain. But um, the 11 and, and the bench, no problems. Okay. The big uh, call for me was to see what kind of formation they were going to use. And they used the exact same that they used at Newcastle United. So, Giannis, I'm, I'm curious your thoughts because I knew, obviously, going into the match that Wolves played three at the back. So it was kind of playing against what your opponent was playing. I, I have no problem with that, though playing this formation – can be conservative at times. Were you fine with the formation? Yeah, yeah, very much so. And I think, um, I don't think that's a bad thing either. In fact, you could probably argue it's a shame we weren't this tight half a dozen games ago, but it, this gives us a chance, not just against the teams in the bottom half, but actually I think gives us a chance to nick points off the top. I totally agree with that. Yeah. Very good point. Uh, teams are going to find us difficult to break down. And, uh, I thought we didn't give away a lot yesterday. And Wolves are, I mean, Espirito Santos is, is, is an excellent coach and he's hes done a great job up at Molyneux. But uh, I thought we looked relatively comfortable. And um, it, it, we talked about this in the, you know, in the last game, that, that the feeling of the Roy Hodgson repetition, shape, difficult to break down, 
you know, counter-attacking football if we need to. And I thought that, you know, I think that's where we're going to be going and uh, where we can sneak points here and sneak points there. Right. So, um, I mean, overall, overall defensively, very, very pleased with what I saw. And, and the lineup reflected uh, his comfort level with, you know, sticking to a certain formation, sticking to a certain lineup as well, which is good. And uh, with the games we've got coming up, you know, with Oldham in the cup, Jesus, they lost 6 nothing to Carlisle. How good can they be? Um, then he's going to have the chance to blood blood uh, other players as well because we're going to need the squad moving forward because we're going to have a, a pretty difficult January coming up. Totally agree there, Giannis. Some very good points there. Alec, over to you. What your thoughts on the starting 11 and the 18 overall? As Giannis mentioned, the big notable absence from the starting 11 was Tom Kearney. And honestly, I don't know how he fits into this formation. I, I think he's a waste out wide. This is what Ranieri has been using him in. He's a, a central player. That's where he thrives. And so this is a conundrum that I think Fulham have, that Ranieri has. How do you uh, play Tom Kearney in this role? Because it, I saw it in years past, and out wide it's just not where it best uh, suits him. So it's an interesting situation. I kind of understood why he wasn't playing. But it's a, a question, and it's a topic for us to discuss. So what are your thoughts on the starting 11-18 formation, Kearney? So, I mean, I would agree, I would, I would agree exactly with that. Um, I don't really see where we can fit Kearney in. And actually, I, I find that, that this has been the main problem I, that we've been seeing all season is, is not the fact that, that our players are of, are of inferior quality necessarily, but, because, but the fact that we can't, seem to fit all of these great players in especially the ones with that offer the most flair in attack right. like Sessignon like like Kearney and I feel this formation just does not suit him I I, I feel if you're gonna have if you're going to if you're going first of all I feel if you're going to have five five uh, like three center backs and you know I look I, I looked the, the formation on Google and it says it was a three four three I mean that doesn't seem right to me Brian and Christie were definitely playing at the back Yep. And if you're not if you're if they're not firing up if they're not firing up forward, I find it's very hard it's very hard to give players like Kenny any any sort of support, um, because the way we're playing right now the way we've been playing under Ranieri, is we've is we've stopped uh, trying to pass the ball out the back and we're playing that old school Route One English football by just you know when, if there are no options in midfield the defense will just hoof it up will just hoof it up the pitch. And you know what? With Kamara and Mitro, that works fine because they are big, strong, athletic, athletic guys. You know who can make something of that. But with someone like Schurler or someone like Canny, like that, that just doesn't work. And 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 they're not good enough first of all to go for the first ball, and they're not good enough, and they're not good enough in that in that sense to go for the second ball either because that's just not the kind of player they are. Right. And I I feel. There is no place. I, I feel. I, I feel. I agree with you that there is no place. There's really no place for Kenny in this starting eleven. But I don't think there's any place for Schurler either. Um, okay. I. What I was saying to my father yesterday when I was watching the game was, if we really want to make use out of our best players, I think we've got to stick Kamara and Mitro, Mitro more as centre forwards, and maybe having Kenny play playing as uh, in that number ten role just behind them. Um, and that would kind of that would get him involved, and may and maybe if we wanted to get our wing backs coming up and to give us a little bit of width, maybe we should put Sessignon Sessignon in that wing back position instead of Brian. 
um, because so make it like a three five two. Yeah, yeah. Four, five, three, make it more like a three five. Make it more like a three five two. Yep. But at the, but it could be but one that switches from a three five two to a five three two quite right. you know seamlessly. Um, but I just I feel that yes we're solid at the back and I'm uh, you know at the end of the day that is a, that was the problem we had to address the most quickly the most quickly um, this season and we've we, we have addressed it but yep. at the same time we've sacrificed I feel we've sacrificed all sort of flair going forward. Um, I will touch on a I will touch on another point that we haven't really spoken about uh, which I haven't which I haven't spoken about yet okay. which was the centre midfield. Um, Chambers and Seri, I thought, were good, but as soon as Chambers got on a yellow card, Chambers on a yellow card, I don't feel as that useful. He's he's kind of one of those dirty, those dirty players who will just clean up any mess. And when he's on a yellow card, he can't give away, he can't do those do those tactical, he can't make those tactical fouls, he can't slow up the game as easily. And Seri kind of Seri gave us a little bit more more of a more of a playmaking foundation. And when he came off, I found with McDonald, we, we really had nothing going forward at all. Um, Great point. I believe Giannis already talked about the uh, yeah. substitution, but yeah. we'll talk about that when we get to the second half. It's actually a very good point, Al. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, that, that, was, that, was, no, that, that, that was all I really had to say on that. I just thought if we were going to make a sub, we should have probably taken Chambers off since he was on a okay. yellow card and, and replaced him with McDonald because – Chambers and McDonald are more of a similar kind, more of a similar sort of player. Okay, excellent. Yeah, so I want to go back to you on what Alec just shared, talking about the central midfield, because this is something that Emilio has mentioned to me. Because we're we're focusing on the attack, because we're thinking we're getting much better defensively. That's where it all begins. That's the foundation. But then you have to figure out how we can score more goals and the play from the midfield to up front. And uh, I think Alec just brought up a very interesting point about Calm Chambers gets the yellow. Honestly, could have had two yellows. You know, earlier on, there, there was a situation as well. He is a player that I think it can be very effective. But maybe Alec is on to something after he got that yellow. He, he was not able to do what he needs to do. So what are your thoughts about the issues that we have in central midfield? And I'll throw this on the table. Our friends of Foam Focus actually, I think, had a poll that's on Twitter right now that is asking the question, who should start, Seri or Kearney, in that role? Hmm. You know, that's well, that's before January the 1st, if we can get a Danny Drinkwater in, it would be nice. Right. Yeah. Um, I, 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 st- I still think for quality, I'd pick Kearney, but Kearney yesterday looked like he was on a bit of a sulk fest, which, which, um, Disappointing me, seeing, seeing as he's the club captain. Um, you know, the good thing about Ranieri is that um, he'll pick his best eleven for the you know for the situation. And whether you're club captain or you're not, if you're not good enough to be in that setup, you're not going to start. Um, we can't doubt we can't doubt the fact that Cameron had a a big impact up at St James's Park, and. Um, I suppose he just doesn't think he just doesn't fancy him right now. Now, having said that, he may start on 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 Saturday against Huddersfield, especially with Aaron Moy out. There should be there should be a little bit more space in the middle of the park. Um, I create I you know if we're creating lots of chances against Wolves, I expect us to to create even more against Huddersfield because right now defensively they're a mess. 
Um, but, um, you know, I think Fulham fans are going to have to get used to this horses for courses at the moment. Right. Seri is, is beginning to, to find his feet. But I, I don't think that Claudio will, be com- Claudio will be convinced quite yet. And clearly he's not quite convinced about Kearney either, which makes you wonder, come Tuesday at midnight, who he might bring in, you know, in terms of a creative central midfielder to help us support the strikers. And uh, I'm sure he's got his eye on someone out there. Um, they've got the players, I have to remember, they're on, you know, this is, you've, got, you've got a new gaffer in town. You're, you're, you're auditioning, you're trying out again. You're going to try and impress, you know, which players are going to take us through battle. Right, you know, right. let's face it, we've got a war ahead. And Absolutely, uh, yes. clearly, um, Cloudy's not, not, I wouldn't say he's overtly enamored with either of them at the moment, to be honest. Okay, excellent. I, I just want to share this poll because I believe it's uh, still ongoing on Fulham Focus on their uh, Twitter account. And here's the question. If Claudio Ribeneri decides he can only accommodate one of Tom Kearney or Jean-Michael Seri in his preferred starting lineup, which one do you think he should choose? And there's a huge amount of votes. There's 1,846 votes as we're recording this. And Jean-Michael Seri is at 55%, and Kearney is at 45%. I find that fascinating. It's very interesting. It's a great topic from the guys of Foam Focus, so I just wanted to mention that. It's, it's an interesting thing, Alec, because going back to you, the reason why I'm bringing up this poll, because it goes back to can you play Seri and Kearney together? This is something we've talked about on Cottage Talk. So real quick, and then we'll break down the match into the key moments. What are your thoughts about the poll, and can they coexist? I, look, I think, I think the poll showed that Ranieri, you know, Ranieri is, is, is not thinking Ken. He's thinking Ranieri. Ranieri is trusting in, 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 his, own, in his own ability, in his own ability to pick the side, even though he might not be picking the the players with the best individual talent. Now, I think on an individual talent basis, Kenny is a better player than Seri, but I think Seri fits into the system a lot yeah. more. Um, I, I think Kenny would fit, uh, you know, I think ironically, I think Kenny would, would have fit better into the Wolves side because he, he likes that. He, he thrives in that, in that tic-tac-toe kind of fast, fast-paced passing, uh, pass-and-move uh, kind of play. Whereas I feel Seri just fits in much much better with our current system under under Ranieri, and well, I just I just think I just think as Yanni said as well, I thought Kenny's attitude yesterday was pretty poor. He was not really not really challenging. He didn't really seem like he he really gave captain. a bother. And I think at this moment in time, I would definitely prefer Seri in the side because. Yep. Also, Seri offers a much more of a defensive, pre- much more of a defensive presence in there, and I, I think if Kenny was to, Kenny was to come on, he wouldn't be in that. He wouldn't be on in that midfield line at all. He would be either in between the midfield and the or, uh, midfield and the attack, or he would be in the attack itself. But I, not, neither of those options really seem that viable, uh, in my opinion, yep. for the. For the, to fit in the system that Ranieri is trying to make us play under. Yeah, it's uh, an interesting conundrum. It's, you know, these are the players that Ranieri has. And what Yana said, I think things are going to become clearer in the January transfer window when he gets to bring in players. I'm talking about the club. The club gets to bring in players that maybe fit better into what Ranieri wants to do because I think there, unfortunately, there are some players here 
that were brought into play under Savisa, and they don't really fit. There are some under Ranieri, at least to me. The way that they're playing right now, can he change the formation and, and make these players fit better? Yes, but right now, what Fulham need and the way that they're going with this formation, if they continue to use it, there are players that just don't fit. And unfortunately, I agree with um, this assessment that Kearney doesn't fit this formation. He doesn't. And if you put him out wide, it just doesn't work. You're wasting a player out there. That's the way I look at it. All right, guys, let's get into breaking down this match. Let's start with the first half. I'll just read off some key moments. I'll go to each one of you for a key moment to get your thoughts on it. Fulham came out strong. You know, again, from the very beginning, we have the uh, the header from Mitro in the 10th minute. That's followed up a couple minutes later. Jimenez had a shot that goes over, I believe. And then right after that, guys, shortly after that, we have, uh, I guess you could say, a pretty controversial moment that I kept hearing on the NBC Sports broadcast. Giannis, you and I heard this, so I'll go to you on this and get your thoughts on the potential handball situation of Adoy at halftime. Robbie Earl on NBC Sports said that should have been a, a penalty for Wolves. What are your thoughts? Yeah, it's Robbie Earl, isn't it? So, might as well be Michael Mouse. Um <laughs> Uh, again, we've had a lot of these. We've had a lot of these um, this year, haven't we? Where some would give, some would not. Um, I'd have been disappointed if it, if it had been given, but we've had a, go, a few of those go against us. So I know Espirito uh, Sanders wasn't exactly uh, happy about it, but um, I think it was a pick'em. To be honest, Russ, I think okay. it was a pick'em. Um, I uh, I wouldn't have been surprised had it been given, but I'm glad it wasn't. Okay, very good. All right, let's go further in. And Alec, I'll go back over to you. I just mentioned some key moments here. In the 17th minute, you have the shot by Mitro that goes wide. Mm-hmm. And then seven minutes later, you have a header by Mitro. So you have these opportunities. And a few minutes later, you have the uh, shot by Sherla. And then one minute later, you have Christie just misses. Is it a pass to Mitro or is it a shot by him? It barely misses, inches away. So I want your thoughts about all these opportunities for Fulham that you were watching and what was going through your mind is, unfortunately, Fulham cannot score from these opportunities. I, I often think we lack composure and, and composure and attack. Um, obviously, when, when with the style of play, or with, the, with our style of play, we have to, our forwards have to make a you know, split-second decision pretty much on the spot. Everything's fast. Of, of yeah, exactly. Of what they're going to of, of what they're going to do, but often I find we just snatch at chances too quickly. Um, I would say with the the the, the cross slash shot that Mitra, that I think it was Mitrovic nearly nearly got on the end of. That yes. was a very well uh, that was a very well set up uh, set up play, but I, I, I can't I can't remember each one of the which one of the chances that you outlined. But I, I remember seeing Mitrovic getting forward, and it looked like he he was. He was close to being through on goal, and he just kind of snatched at the chance, and he, he just let fly from outside the box, and it just wasn't really a very wasn't really as threatening as it could have been. Um, I just think we need to calm down when we get in that fi- calm down when we get in that final third, and calm down in that final third, and just try to find some and trying to kind of keep on passing it. I think we shoot too early. Which is kind of funny because I thought last season we didn't we it's didn't the exact we, 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 we would always shoot too late. No one right. wanted to shoot, right? And I would go to each game and 
the fans would be would be would be uh, encouraging the players to shoot more often. Yeah. But but this Nelson's year, exact but this year, yeah, and 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 also Scherler, I find has a shot and has a shot all pretty much all the time, and he he can he never finds any power. Um, so I feel when we get into that final third, we've just got to be a little bit more clinical, have a little bit more composure, think about what we're doing a little bit more. But I think that is I think that is a little bit tough given the system that we're playing. Yeah. And maybe that just shows a little bit of uh, maybe that shows that we just need a little bit more experience in in that from experience in that centre forward position from Mitrovic. He's a he's a fantastic player, but he's a fantastic he's an absolutely fantastic player and. One that has really changed the way we, who, and one that has really, you know, changed our attack up. But at the same time, I think he he does sometimes. He he's one of those players who's a poacher. He gets in, he gets stuck in, and sometimes he just needs to get his head up a little bit more and just look to the look to either side and see if there are any other options available. He doesn't have to be the only goal scorer on the team. That's a very interesting analysis of uh, Mitro there, my friend. All right. We'll go further in, Giannis. I'll go right back to you. Talk about Mitro. I'll just mention again, he had a, another shot in the 31st minute that just goes wide. Cool. And then shortly after that, you have another controversial moment where there was a potential handball from Bennett. I'm not sure if he was in the box or outside the box. The camera angle that we saw isn't really definitive. Robbie Musto on NBC Sports, like Rob Heroes, uh, the call does not agree with with it going to Fulham on this one. It says, no, this is not a penalty. So there we go on that. And then um, shortly after that, you have the shot by Jimenez in the 32nd minute. Yeah. Then, Giannis, we got to talk about this because this goes back to Mitro. Let's talk about Mitro's opportunity in the 40th minute. And this is a very good opportunity for him. I, I feel bad for Mitro because he obviously wanted to score badly. So what are your thoughts about the opportunity from Mitro in the 40th minute, saved by Patricia? I thought it was a brilliant save, and he should have finished it, but he should have finished it. I mean, you saw the reaction at the end of the, end of the game. But I think the one positive, probably, if the Khans were watching this, and Claudio obviously was, was that he needs some support, he needs some help. He can't do it all on his own. Um, I think he's been magnificent for this club. Um, and he'll be the first to hold his hands up and say, you know what, I should have finished that chance. But um, we need a diversion, and that's the problem right now. Really, the focal point is Mitro up front. And that's why I do like, I did like um, getting Sess on, because Sess can give you a little bit of pace, a little bit of craft, and he gives uh, opposing teams something to worry about. And I think with the transfer window coming around, coming up, you know, I'm sure Cloudy's going to look for um, uh, maybe a rental striker, somebody who can come in and, you know, it doesn't have to be anything pretty, but somebody who can score the scruffy goals, the sniffers, you know, the one, two, three yards out to yep. take some of the heat off Mitro. And um, and this is going to be the thing. Where is he going to find that from? He's going to need to. Because right now, if you're coaching against this team, you're looking, well, shut down Mitro if you can. And then where is their scoring threat going to come in from? I thought Seth's got a little bit of fortune with the goal. It was a, It was a nice goal, but a little bit of fortune with it. But outside of these two, who else is going to score? Scherler, Scherler is going to try and take shots from the next time zone, and we know where they're going to end up. <laughs> um, so right now we've got a lack of that punch or support for Mitro. Um, and he could, have scored, he could have scored seven or eight yesterday for crying out loud. But yeah. another day, they might all have gone in. Okay, very good. All right, before we wrap up talking about the first half, Alec, I want to go back to you because I think this is a 
a sneaky key moment. A couple of yellow cards happened on yeah. the same situation. You have Sice getting one for Wolves, but you have Christie and Chambers getting yellow cards. And I think this affected what would happen later on in the match in the second half for both players. Emilio pointed to Christie in the second half with the goal situation that happens for uh, for Wolves. And goes back to the situation of getting the yellow card. And you already mentioned the yellow card from Chambers. What are your thoughts about the two of them getting yellow cards that might have affected their play in the second half? Yeah, I, I felt that the, the yellow cards are actually a, a silent killer for us in the fence um, because it really... I mean, from from where I was sitting, it, it looked like every single Wolves attack was down that was down that left side, attacking the attacking in between Christie and Odois, and with with Chambers as the holding midfielder, it we really seemed we really seemed like we were kind of standing off them a little bit and giving them just a little bit too much time on the ball, and I feel that is a direct result of of them being on a yellow card because it's better to have a player standing off on a yellow card than a then you know making a reckless challenge and getting sent off so i felt that was that was very damaging to have both of those players on on yellow cards given that such a given that given that wolves's attacks were so heavily weighted on that side um i would yeah so i would say that the i would say that the yellow cards were were particularly important in the, in that first half I think whenever, whenever, whenever a defensive player, especially a holding midfielder, holding midfield player, gets a yellow card, it really takes a it really takes a lot out of that that team's uh, defensive capabilities because those because there are always there's always going to be that time in the match when you're going to need to make a tactical foul, and who knows when who knows when that 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 Wolves goal was set up, maybe Christie could have made a maybe made a sneaky foul early on when the ball was going down that left hand side, but. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, unfortunately, we were we were always playing a little bit of a cautious game after those two were on yellow cards. Very good point there, Yanis. You're a coach. I want your thoughts on that because uh, after uh, Alec mentioned this earlier, and Emilio talked about the situation with uh, Christie, it got me to think. You know, obviously yellow cards can affect a player, but I think in this match, it might have really affected two players. Yeah, and there's, there's also a question mark about the validity of the yellow cards as well. Um, you know, okay. some 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 refs tend to be card happy. Some just let the let, let the lads play. But I absolutely agree that you know you you on a yellow card, you're just one rash challenge away from a second, and it does change the mindset of the way you play. And uh, if you looked at the bench, well, who did we have defensively on on the bench? We had Le Marchand. So you've got to, you, you know, you've got to be obviously careful. And there's also the cumulative yellow card stuff as well. You don't want to be suspended for any games. And we've got, so you know, we've got, we've obviously got Huddersfield and then um, we've got um, Oldham and, well, we've got Arsenal coming up as well, haven't we? Yep. Yeah. So, you know, we've got some big games coming up. And um, I find, you know, I, a couple of the yellow cards I thought were a little bit questionable. You know where some refs wouldn't give it. I'm, I've always been of the opinion that the, um, the players should play. You know, unless it's something really, really egregious. I think you know, keep, keep your cards in their pocket, let them play, and just use common sense because you know the, the fans pay their money to watch the players play, not for them to sit sit in a dugout. So um, I thought it changed our mindset a little bit, made us a little bit more nervous, and it's a shame, really. 
Um, I mean, Alec used you know Chambers earlier, and Chambers is a good example of that. Chambers is a, a hustle bustle. He's not a pretty player by any means, but he does his job. But absolutely does his job. Yeah, you give him a yellow card now. Of course, he's got to start becoming conservative. Yep. He's got to watch about the timing of the challenges. Those Take tackles, what he does best, actually. It's what he does best. And it's those tactical tackles or t- tactical fouls. You know, and it could be a slightly mistimed challenge that, that isn't exactly egregious, but because he's on a yellow, you know, he's going to give a second yellow. Um, it's, um, you know, and, that's, and that, change, that plays into the mindset of the players. And it changes the mindset of the manager as well because he's, you know, he's looking at the bench and, and you've seen those coaches that will take suddenly make substitutions just because they're worried that one of their players they need for the next game right. might get a second yellow. And that also plays a part as well. So, you know, a bit too much power, I think, in the hands of the refs when, you know, I just say let the, the, the players play unless it's, unless it's something suitably egregious where you feel you need to start wielding out the cards. Okay, very good. All right, let's transition and go to the second half. Yanos, I'm going to go right back to you because I want to, touch on uh, something that Alex said earlier when he was uh, talking about the uh, substitution of Traore, who was not good in this match. He's a player that I fear every time I watch him, but he was not good in this match. So he brings on Cavalero and gives them a different look and they change things up a little bit and they seem much more dangerous in the second half. Would you see this as a, a major change for Wolves? Because they seem like a different team at the beginning of the second half. And I think the substitution had something to do with it. Yeah, and I think they have more depth than we do. I mean, I think that's. I mean, that, I think that's in a nutshell. They, if you look at their lineup and even look at their subs, they've got quality, you know, all over the park. And if you can bring a Cavallero on for Traore and Costa, probably, I mean, they're players that they can just bring on, right? Yeah, it's not like saying, well, you know, we're going to take off Mitro and we bring on uh, Floyd Aite. <laughs> it's, no. I, had to, I had to mention Floyd at least. I, you have to get him, Alec. You might not be aware of this, but Giannis is not a fan of Floyd Aite. Oh, no. I'm a I'm a big fan of Floyd Aite. I think he I think he offers us a little bit of power and pace. <laughs> yeah, he's, yeah, but I'd, I'd rather have Naiskins Cabana on the bench, and and, and Naiskins wasn't on. And I like Naiskins because Naiskins always seems to me to have an impact when he comes on. I I, I do. I don't know, and it's also even like um, you know. If you look at Ibrahim Asise, I mean, he wasn't he wasn't even in the eighteen yesterday, was he? No, no he wasn't. What the hell's he got to do to to, to get a, a chance to get into the eighteen? He's done all right when he's coming, but um, it was a very good substitution by Santo. I thought yeah. um, I thought Caballero brought quality to the field, and he did. He, he's a very very good player at stretching the field, and um, just the focus became that much more difficult because it brought our fullbacks more into play, and. Um, they looked at instantly improved, but they are a quality side. I don't think there's they're a fun team to watch. They're, they're very well coached. They're entertaining to watch. And um, as, soon, as soon as I saw Cavallero on, I, I knew we were going to have a few problems to deal with. Okay, very good there. Yeah, so, all right, let's get into the second half. And Wolves definitely looked like uh, the better side in the second half. It started off from the beginning. You have a couple of opportunities from Jimenez. You have a header in the 51st minute. And then in the 59th minute, you have the save by Rico on uh, Jimena's shot. Then they have another substitution. This shows the quality that they have. They bring Costa on for Gibbs-White and in the 62nd minute. In the 66th minute, you have what we've been talking about is potentially a game-changer for Fulham, Sessegnon coming on for Sherla. So let's then go to the goal, guys. Let's, let's talk about the goal from 
Ryan Sessignon and uh, Alec share with us what you saw with this goal. It obviously sets up, starts with a free kick, but eventually it gets to Sessignon and he puts it in the back of the net, even though there was some question if it went over and obviously it went over. Yeah, I'll be honest. I think I was already celebrating because I thought I thought it had initially gone over, uh, and then and then there was more kicking around, and then I didn't really see uh, who actually got the fun, who uh, where when the goal was actually scored. Um, but yeah, I thought it was a it was a pretty scrappy goal. I thought it was pr- pretty against the run of play. I didn't I didn't think uh, in that half we we'd shown very much to deserve a goal, but I thought we'd shown enough in the first half to have warranted something by that point in the game. Um, I just thought it was a pretty scrappy goal in general, but it also. But what I will say is that it, it shows that we that we have we that we that we are playing more like an English side, more like an English side now, uh, more like an English side now. We've kind of departed from that European style where we play that tic tac toe kind of uh, kind of football, um, past doing all these short doing all these short free kicks, trying to basically walk the ball in, and now we're just quite happy just to just to lob the ball in. And just fight and just fight for it in the box, um, and that in itself has it, you know, shows it shows its own kind of character. I feel. Um, I, I will say it's it was uh, compared to last season. I, I just don't think a goal like that would have been scored last season. But I'm happy that. that we can score goals like that this season because those are the kinds of goals that are going to keep us up in the at the end of the day. The scrappy Absolutely. goals where we really just have to fight and get our get really stuck in and. You know, even if your face is in the floor. <laughs> Very good. All right. Yanis, back over to you. This actually happened a few minutes before the goal. The goal happened in the 74th minute, what I'm going to mention right now. I think this is significant to talk about. So I want your thoughts about Kearney coming on for Kamara. And uh, Emilio mentioned this on full time that, you know, again, Kamara's impact in this match, he's a polarizing figure. We know this. But uh, as I've said on Twitter and I've said on this show, he has a role with Fulham Football Club, a defined role right now, to use his power and pace. And even if he cannot score, he can help his teammates score. That's what I see. He scares the living daylights out of defenders. He just does because he's so fast. So what are your thoughts about taking him off at this point and bringing Kearney on? Well, my feeling about Kamara is that he should be – he should be a sub. I think. I think he's, he, he okay. causes mayhem coming off the bench. I mean, you saw what he did in Newcastle up there. He'll probably still be kicking himself that he didn't finish that chance. Um, and you're absolutely right. He, I mean, he's 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 like um, he's like a wild horse, a stampeder. Yes, exactly. And what he needs to do is temper down, temper some of the silly challenges. I mean, he got a silly challenge, a silly yellow up, at, and it was a silly yellow up at St James's Park. Um, but what it does show as well is that if you've got to use camera as a starter up front, that's telling you you're short. If you could potentially use him as an impact sub for half an hour, and then it can cause mayhem. And clearly, um, Claudio doesn't have a lot of faith in uh, Mr. Aite or Mr. Cabano. So right now... Um, one of the, yeah, you really are limited. And I think one of the, I think one of the first players he will bring in um, is going to be a striker, a proven striker. Now I know that the rumours have been flying around that we could have a chance of getting Victor Moses on on loan. Yes, please. That oh, absolutely. Bring him. Bring him. Absolutely. I'm, I'm there with you. I think he'd be a perfect fit. He'd be a, a close second to Darren Bent, but that's another story for another day. <laughs> um, but um, Darren Bent, love Darren Bent. Oh boy. But if um, you know, that's and that's the thing. If camera, 
if you start with either a Moses or a Metro, let's say it's a Moses, you know, and then last 20 minutes he starts to tire and then you bring camera on. Oh, brilliant. Absolute fantastic. Yep. But he ran out of gas yesterday as hard as he worked. Yep. And um, I really thought Kenny was going to come in and, you know, um, there's two ways you can, you can uh, deal with being benched. You can be motivated to, you know, shut your coach up or come in and have a sulk. And um, unfortunately, as a club captain, I thought, you know, I thought a little less of him at the end of the game yesterday because he, he looked like he was, he, was, he was having a bit of a sulk in a game we could have won. And I thought that was disrespectful to um, his teammates, disrespectful to his coaches and to the fans because he's had great times. But but every player gets dropped. You know, you, you, you just got to deal with it. And uh, maybe he should... Um, Take some notes from Mr. from Marcus Bettinelli, who has been, you know, he's sitting on the bench, but has been absolutely magnificent in his attitude, really, for the last three seasons. And um, you know, Kenny gets benched. Deal with it. There's a reason why you're benched. He doesn't think you're good enough to be in the starting eleven. Prove prove your coach wrong. Right, so, exactly. You know, but it does say something that he could have taken camera off and put Aite on, and he decided not to. <laughs> you have to go there. All right, very good. All right, let's move on, guys. And, um, again, we, we have to talk about a few more moments before we talk about the uh, goal, the equalizer for Wolves. In the 81st minute, you have the header by Jimenez, who was definitely a dangerous for Wolves. Then you have the substitutions of uh, McDonald coming on for Sarri. You guys have already talked a little bit about that. And then you have Vinagra coming on for Otto. And now we have to go and we have to talk about the goal. And what's great about doing this now, guys, is that right after the match, I have one view on it. And now I, I'm, I, I have a little bit different opinion on this whole situation because I've had time to look at it again and think about exactly how this whole thing went down. But before I share my view and then get Giannis's view, Alec, I, I want to get your view. I don't know if you've got a good view of this where, where you're sitting. But uh, let's talk about the goal from Wolves, from Sice. Obviously, he got the rebound very easy to just put it in the back of the net. But what did you see here with Wolves that gave him the goal? I, 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 I was sitting at the other end, so I couldn't really get that great of a view of the goal itself. But I just remember thinking, man, that ball is rolling across our, our, our 18-yard box really bloody slowly. And... I felt in the I felt in the first half we 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 had that but that back that center back three uh, all very tight and really cleaning everything out up and nothing would stay in our box longer than a couple seconds. Right. But just seeing that just just seeing how slowly the the, the cross just rolled across our 18 yard box with no one even close to it, uh, it really showed me how Wolves had kind of undone our defense in that instance. Um, and I and I think as I said before, it was something to do with with Cavalero pulling Odoir out wide. In the first half, Odoir was man-marking Traore and doing it very effectively, so, but, and doing it very effectively so, but managing to stay close to Mawson. So he could still man-mark, so he could still man-mark the forward, but Mawson was right there behind him to clean anything, clean anything up that, clean any second ball up that Odoir couldn't get cleanly. But in the second half, when Cavalero came on, it just stretched, it really stretched us and that's what you can see from the goal is that our centre backs are pulled way too far apart, and there's just a big gap in our in our there's a massive gap in our in the centre of our penalty box. And at this level, you're going to get punished for that. 
Um, so that w- those were my thoughts on the goal. Okay. Those those were my thoughts on the goal. Even though I didn't quite see exactly who got um, how you know how the rebound came to came sure. to came to play, but okay, fantastic. Giannis, I'll go to you. I've seen the replay of this several times, and uh, I'm just going to share some details on this. Yeah. That I actually heard after the match from the guys at NBC Sports was uh, Robbie Earl and Robbie Musto. I've mentioned them a few times, and I mentioned this in full time because they were pointing the finger at Joe Bryan on this, that Joe Bryan's responsibility, I can't remember which one of the Robbies said that, was that far post and that uh, the other player, which was Costa, wanted it more than him and got to the ball, and then that obviously – started the situation that eventually got to Zeiss, got that rebound, and he puts it in the back of the net. But here's the thing on this. Now that I've watched it back, and I've actually been in contact with Steve Woodyard, one of our co-hosts, who is a ref, and Steve mentioned this in our DM group, that Joe Bryan was pushed in the back by Costa. And I asked Steve, is this a foul? You know, should a foul have been called? And here is um, Steve's response to me, because I think this goes to the whole situation. Because at the time, I'm thinking, well, Joe Bryan definitely needed to do better here. But I'm just now taking this in, into context a little bit more, because this is what Steve DM'd me. But if he doesn't get shoved in the back, then he clears it for me. He's looking for a foul, and anywhere else, I think it's given. All right. Giannis, your yeah. thoughts on the whole situation with uh, – the goal and what I mentioned about Joe Bryan, because as I mentioned on full time, either Robbie Musto or Robbie Earl said that Joe Bryan should be dropped because of this mistake. So thoughts on all of this? Well, um, I think Robbie Musto and Robbie Earl are idiots. So that I'll get that out of the way. <laughs> okay. I don't like them. And I, I can't say over what I, I find them. I actually, actually what I do is, um, I will. I will um, t- t- go. To, I'll put the TV on mute and listen to Gentleman Jim because he's got more sense, a billion times more sense. The Joe Bryan thing, I felt. I felt a bit unlucky for. He looked. He was exposed. I mean, you've seen those things go before. Zeiss is there, at the right place, right time. Is it a push? Yeah, it probably is. But then that's that goes with the inconsistency of refereeing. You know, is he gonna? Is the ref gonna say, well? Does does Zeiss have you know? Does he have the? Should you know in terms of the proximity of the goal? Should a challenge be allowed just to get to the ball first? Some would say yes. Some would say no. I would. I certainly wouldn't be scapegoating Brian for it. And for well, the that's what I'm reason, asking you because now I'm no. looking at it a little bit differently a day later. So I'm asking you the same thing because I'm looking at Joe Bryan in this situation. I'm hearing what these guys said that he should have done better on this, and I'm then looking at the actual situation and seeing what happened during this play. And I'm just thinking a little bit differently on it, Yana. So am I right to feel a little bit differently about Joe Bryan? Could he possibly have done a little bit better? Yeah, Maybe, he could. But... Yeah, but then, then there's the notion of, okay, so he's made a mistake, so drop him. Yes. I mean, I mean the thing is, the goal, the goal has to have had an origin. We lost position. And that's what Alec was talking about in, in the beginning yeah. of this. Yeah, so that's why, that's why these... these um... These 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 commentators aren't worth a bloody lick. A bloody lot of them, <laughs> really. I mean, it's just, it's yeah. Okay, so he's given the ball two yards away. Oh, they've scored. You're you're dropping. Ah, oh, yeah. So ignore the other eighty six minutes the lad's been playing. 
I mean, how many Premier League games did Robbie Earl and Robbie Musto ever play? I'd like, I'd like to actually find out. It was honestly, it just you know, there were certain com- there were certain contributors and commentators where I'll say, I will listen to what they've got to say because um, it, it's not so much the quality; it's it's just you know, it's 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 the respect that you know, in terms of their experiences in the game, playing at the top top level of the game, they're not always going to get it right. I'm a, right. I'm a, I'll be. I'll be the first to tell you, I'm an unashamed Roy, um, Roy Keane fan because he tends to, uh, you know, he uh, he gets criticised. I think he's very, very measured in terms of what he says. I really do. I mean, he's, he, um, you know, he can be controversial at, at times, but I, I don't think he's an impulsive commentator by any chance. The, you know, the left, you know, the fullback makes a mistake. He's made a mistake, so walls are equalised, so drop the bastard. You know, like, really? I mean, if if you had that for every time that you know a keeper didn't punch the ball, right, or a, a midfielder missed a tackle, you'd have nobody left on the field. Giannis, I'm there with you. I, I was surprised by again what they were trying to make. Their point was that Ranieri needs to stop these mistakes from happening, and sometimes they believe that the way to do that is to drop a player to make a point that this has to stop. But as Max said on full time, well, who are you going to put in that situation anyway? Right. And, and, I, and I don't think that's the answer by dropping him for a mistake. I, I, I don't think that's the answer. Yeah, it's, you know, this isn't the 1950s where you, you make a mistake and you drop the ball out. No, those, those times have changed. Well, you know, they're, living, they're, living in, uh, they're living in the past. He'll have, been, you know, he'll have been annoyed about it. I'm sure he'll have a few words to say probably at the training ground today. Um, maybe even quietly, and said, look, this is what you need to do, and that's it, and you move on. That's it. Not, yeah. you, you're going to drop him. If that's the case, then, you, then if he gets dropped for that, then Kenny should be dropped out of the 18 for his attitude when he came on yesterday. So okay. I think I think these I mean, these commentators, honestly, I might, if I'm going to listen to them, I might as well listen to my two cats. <laughs> I can get okay. more sense, sense out of those brothers. Okay, very good. All right, let's wrap this up. We have to talk about what happened at the end of the match. Before we do that, I, I do want to mention you did have an opportunity from Wolves one minute later from Costa that just goes wide. That made me very nervous. But, Alec, I want to go to you. I want to talk about what happened at the very end of the match. You have the opportunity from Mitro against three center backs, three of them. He gets control of the ball, and it just rolls and rolls and gets right to the line. And, uh, unfortunately, it gets cleared off the line your thoughts of what you watched at the very end of this match? What was going through your mind? I thought I thought that chance by uh, for Mitro at the end really really summed up the way that we we started to play on, under Ranieri. I mean, it was a great great kick from the keeper, and great kick from the keeper, and Mitro really really did very very well to 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 basically battle three defenders for the ball and actually managed to get a shot off. Desperately unlucky. I, I, I was I was at the Hammersmith end as, a, as I said, and I thought it was in. I was already celebrating and was desperately disappointed when I when I saw when I saw the ball got cleared off the line. Um, but I think it also showed that because given that it was one of the best chances we had in the game, I think it showed that we're really heavily overly reliant on we're overly reliant on uh, on 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 Mitrovic up up top. Totally quite right. honestly. Um, yep. I Great think point. we do need to get another centre forward. I mean, that was that was, we had a very similar chance against Newcastle last week with uh, Abubakar Kamara, 
Same thing. Uh, when yeah. he when he nearly scored a goal like he nearly scored a goal like that, uh, just battling with the centre, just really harassing the centre backs and not giving them an easy an easy clearance. Um, but uh, what can I say? I was just desperately unlucky. Great work, yep. great hustle by Mitro, and you know, you know, a few you know a few times you'll miss those, and a few times they'll go in. But that's that's the way it is. Okay, very good. All right, guys, just for time's sake, and we're not going to go through the stats in this post-match. We're going to go right to man of the match because I want your thoughts on man of the match. And uh, it's interesting because uh, I posted uh, this, I don't know, about two hours ago. I had some very interesting responses to it. I believe on the form website it was given to Mitro, which I certainly understand, but I'm going to read some of the uh, comments from the Fulham supporters on the Cottage Talk uh, Facebook page and uh, curious what you guys think about what they have to share. Actually, before we do that, let me go to both of you, get your man of the match, and then I'll share what they have to say. Alec, who was your man of the match for Fulham? Well, I think I think Mitrovic is obviously always the obvious choice because he's the only one who really offers us that much of an attacking presence. But I would say that we have to give a lot of credit to the, to the defense on this occasion. Yep. And I, I would say Odois did a fantastic job of keeping Traore, the, the main danger man for Wolves, all, all season. He did such a good job that they actually, took, they actually had to take him off. So I would say for the, first, for the grand majority of the game, Odois would, would be my man of the match just for, for how he kept, how he kept uh, Traore quiet. Um, but I would say, between, I would say, probably joint between him and Mawson. I thought Mawson okay. really did a great job as well, commanding that back that back centre three and cleaning up any cleaning up any loose balls. Um, yeah, so I would say Edouard and Mawson were my men of the match. Okay, co-men of the match. Excellent, Giannis. How about you? I'd have I'd have to give it to Mitro. Um, I just thought he um, Claudia has asked him to do a very. Um, you know, fill a very, very difficult role, really, as the the lone man up front, the target man. And, you know, I thought he played very, very well up at St. James Park. Uh, he created even more, you know, more chances yesterday. No, he didn't score. But, you know, he he really did. It was almost a, a captain's performance, irony of ironies. And um, this is a guy that um, you could see his reaction at the end of the game. I felt, you know, he, he took it on the... Took it on the, you know, he took it in the shoulder, in terms of he had chances to, to have won us that game and he didn't. But I thought he was absolutely outstanding. And I agree with Alec. I thought our back four was was actually very good. And and, and a mention of Rico as well. Yep. You know, we don't talk about bets anymore. Uh, Rico <laughs> is um is really he's won the in. position. Very much so. He settled in yep. well. Um, but uh, for me, Mitro is outstanding. And Mitro, I'm expecting Mitro to have a big game on uh, Saturday. Totally agree there, Giannis. All right. Now I'm going to read the uh, comments on the Cottage Talk Facebook page for a minute of the match. Our co-host, Emilio Danello. He gives it to Mawson. Mawson led the back line very effectively, speaking to his players. I give it to him. Andy Rowe, Mawson. Pete Elger, AK-47. Chris Davidson, Mitrovic. Lee Walsh, Mitrovic. Wayne Dyer, impressed by Kamara for once hassled them all game would have kept him on rather than Kearney. Nick East, Mawson, Stephen Well, Chambers, Belinda Jackson. For me, Christie, like a dog with a bone. Roger Lewis, 
Mitro for his workouts and passion, followed by AK-47 for him just being him. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Dean Rozier, Mitrovic, shame he could not take his chances, but bullied their defense all game. Elaine, Boyce Claire, Christy, for me, first half. And this one just takes the cake at the very end. Mike Chantry, one website I saw, I gave it to Sherla. Should have gone to Specsavers. Okay. <laughs> All right. Alex, I, love that. I want to go to you. Thoughts on some of the comments about Man of the Match? There's a decent amount of names in there. Yeah, I, I, I've... Look, I think Morton and uh, Mitro were the, were the obvious candidates, and that's why they popped up the most. But I heard Christie a couple of times there. Yes. I really don't see how you can give Christie the man of the match. I mean, you guys were talking about the, the Wolves' goal earlier being Joe Bryant's fault. I think it was Christie's fault. I mean, Christie was caught. Right. I mean, he was, he was caught flat-footed, way out of position, left a massive gap between him and Edouard. And it was pretty much his fault. But it was pretty much his fault. The goal. I thought actually Joe Bryan. It wasn't Joe Bryan's fault at all because Joe yeah. Bryan was, you know, he's six yards, six yards away from his own goal, facing his own goal. There's not really much he's gonna he's gonna be able to do anyway. Yeah. Um. So I I, I would say yeah I'd say Christie and Christie and Sherlock were kind of jokes of suggestions. Uh. But yeah, I would okay. say as to be expected, Mitro Mitro did a really great job bullying the defense, just making them uncomfortable, just making them think twice when. They're going to head the ball or clear it. And that's that's all you can really ask from a player like that. Okay, very good. Yanis, how about you? What, what do you make of some of those uh, comments there? I, I certainly like the one about Andre Sherl. Well, I'd have given, I'd have given Dan Bent the, uh, the man of the match before Sherla. Um, <laughs> Sherla, oh, I don't, I don't know. It's, you know he's gonna, one day he's going to score a screamer from 35 yards out and look like the next coming of Messi. And then he'll just, oh, he's very frustrating. Christie, I thought, did okay, but Alex is right. It was, you know, it was the origins of that goal yeah. you've got to look at. And, uh, so I'm, glad, I'm glad Alec mentioned that because that's where it all begins, you know, but, and that's why I wanted to point out the whole situation with Joe Bryan of what I listened to because if you watch the entire thing, Alec gets it right. Yeah, and I think, you know, certainly um, Camera gave it everything he had. I don't think there's any question there. Um, the back five played well. There's a, there's a lot, there was a lot to like. Um, but um, it, it, when you go, it just goes to show that we do have passions, passengers. And, yes, we do, uh, and that's the problem, Giannis. Yeah, that's the problem, you know. And um, when you got players like, unfortunately, Cabano and, and um, Cisse can't even make the starting eighteen, then um, you know you've got you, you. You know, it's. Um, I'm sure Claudia's got his. I'm sure the targets are going to. Um, we're going to hear them thick and fast come um, January the 1st is the first day, and I'm, I'm very excited to see who might be brought in um, to add some breadth and depth to give us a chance at least to stay up. I hear you, my friend. And my final thought on uh, this whole situation with, with Fulham, you know, talking about what's going on with them, play as a team and no more passengers. They need to get rid of the passengers. Yeah. And it's got to stop because they need – 11 players that are going to be playing for Fulham. And uh, if there's going to be a player out there that is a luxury player, he needs to go because he's just not helping the cause, not helping the team, what they need right now. I think everyone knows I'm talking about Andre Sherl at this point, but it is what it is. You know, he was brought in 
partially, I believe, to play in, in a certain system. And what's going on with Fulham right now does not fit what this guy does well. And right now I'm having a hard time figuring out what this guy does well, except maybe <laughs> score a goal every once in a while and look good when he, you know, he looks the part, but he just does not act the part. And that's the problem. Scoring a goal every, you know, I, I, I've had people tell me he scored five goals. That's great. He scored five goals, but what has he done the rest of the time? He's a dandelion. Um, I mean, he, he, has, he offers no strength. Yeah. No nothing, really, for me. Yeah. You can't even shoot the ball well. I can now understand. It's funny because I started hearing all these comments coming out of Germany when we signed him that this was going to be a mistake. I, I started hearing this. I'm like, what do you mean? You know, and I think we're kind of learning why there were some people doubting this move for Fulham. And uh, it, it's unfortunate. It was, I, I don't want this to be a show bashing a player, but this player just doesn't fit what Fulham needed to do. Anyways, before we wrap this up, I just want to just get final thoughts from both of you first. Giannis, to you, final thoughts before we go. Well, it was a, you know, it was a valuable point that could have been three, but we take it on the chin and we move on. Huddersfield are in just terrible form right now. Yep. And, um, you know, it's, it's the, it is the, um, the battle of the bottom feeders. And, uh, we want to get revenge for what happened up uh, up in in Yorkshire uh, a little while ago, yep. and I fully expect us to do that. Okay, excellent. Alec, before I get your final thought, I just want to thank you for doing this. You were fantastic, and uh, I'm glad you were able to join us today. Your final thoughts. Thank you very much, Russ. I've really enjoyed talking about the game today. Uh, my final thoughts, thought very, I thought um, we should be very encouraged by our defensive performance. Huge improvement. Just got to focus on keeping the defense as a unit, not letting, not letting too many gaps appear. Um, but I do feel if we're playing that, if we're playing with that kind of defense, and we've we've got people like Kamara and Mitro up front, we do need to offer a little bit of width um, on the field, especially if we want if we if we want to be playing people like Kenny and Schurler in the team. Yep. Um, at the moment, it seems like we're trying to. It seems like we're trying to eat, have our cake and eat it too because we're trying to put them in and put put in players that really are, are playing out of position at the moment. Um, but on the defensive side, very encouraging. On the offensive, a lot more to a lot more to come. I hope. Totally agree, and uh, it's funny because I I've been thinking about this a great deal, and I've had people ask me this question and talk to me about this. Uh, you know, would you rather? have uh Savisa right now and that style of play because it's, it's uh pleasing on the eyes but being wide open or would you rather have a team play this way and I know this isn't the most attractive way to, to see football it's not but it's effective and it's only going to get better the more that they play it and I believe that if you get the foundation defensively down first and then build offensively second I think you're going to be okay it just might take some time but I think that they're starting that transition from what was an attractive brand of football to what it is now. And it takes time. And uh, I see the progression, and I like what we see. That Those are my final thoughts on that. But let's wrap this up. For my co-hosts, Janis Janais and Alec Hoban, I'm Russ Goldman. Thank you, as always, for listening to Cottage Talk. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. 
That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute and all to play for at the end of the match. All your mates are around. You've got your McDougat share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? I know I'm in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.